White-tailed deer, the number one big game animal in North America. Elusive, adaptive, majestic. They're our passion, our obsession. Welcome to the Stay Afflicted podcast by Whitetail OCD. Here's your host, Eric Hall. And welcome everyone to the Whitetail OCD Stay Afflicted podcast. I am your host, Eric Hall. This is episode number one, and we started with a little hometown flavor with David Weaver, with David Weaver Creative. At the time of this recording, he was actually working on a project called Young Bucks. He has now transferred that over to David Weaver Creative. Uh, This is a little bit late getting out. I apologize for that, but the content David shared was just too good to ignore. Looking forward to sharing this conversation with everyone. We covered everything from early season, late season. Just everything about hunting white-tailed deer and from David's unique perspective. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. All right, everyone, on the line with me today is David Weaver, and this guy really has it going on. I'm excited to have him on. Uh, he is the founder of Young Bucks, and if you haven't checked that out, I'm sure he's going to tell you where you can find his information on the web. But David, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, thank you. Hi, how's it going? All right, man. Hey, tell us about Young Bucks. Who is it? What are you guys doing? Why did you start it? Uh, give us a little background on it and who you are, and, and also how you got into doing your uh, doing, got into hunting and doing what you're doing. Okay, um, I'll try and keep this as brief as I can. Um, Young Bucks was founded by me um, in 2016. Uh, myself, uh, a few other buddies um, founded Young Bucks that fall. Um, we didn't know it was ever going to lead to even where it is today. Um, we just kind of kept things rolling and took it one day at a time. But essentially, Young Bucks Outdoors is a media corporation. Um, we create content for hunting companies, outdoor companies. Um, we obviously film our hunts, put them on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, and our at name, our username on all platforms is the same at Young Bucks Outdoors. Um, we have the same logo and everything like that. But um, yeah, it was founded in 2016, and then it just kind of kept rolling. I ended up purchasing a you know, higher-end camera. And then started getting into photography and videography. And I've always, or I grew up hunting, you know, it was in my family tree. I can still remember my uncles taking me out and everything like that. And then I kind of broke off from that and started doing my own thing as I got a little bit older, you know, later teens. And um, started filming everything, taking pictures, you know, documenting it. And that's when I really, like, dove into, like, seeing everything that goes into hunting itself. As far as social media-wise marketing and everything like that and like I told myself like that was awesome that's what I wanted to do and I'm a headstrong person if I put my mind to something I like to think that I can accomplish it and so I just told myself I was going to set out to have fun with it and then see where it goes and now I do marketing content work for companies and just keep it rolling having fun with it. Oh, man, that's awesome. It's really good to see that, uh, you know, when someone puts their mind to something, they get um, to the destination or headed to that destination, towards that destination that they had in mind to begin with. Let's talk about 2019, man. What are your plans? What are your goals? What do you got uh, going on this year? So Hunting-wise. Hunting-wise, along with being headstrong, I like to stack the odds against me, and I'm always looking for new challenges. (laughs) So this year, I'm taking on Pennsylvania. Oh, Um, Yep. Um, pressure state. 
Yep, I'm jumping across the line, and I'm going to hunt PA this year. Um, truthfully, I need the challenge. I want the challenge, and I think I can. I think I can punch two buck tags this year. I'm not trying to sound cocky or ignorant or anything like that. I didn't film my buck tag last year, and it kind of humbled me. But um, I learned a lot from last year going into this year, and um, changed up a few strategies, especially for this time of year. And I think it's going to pay off. Um, I did pick up a decent chunk of land, private land in Pennsylvania to hunt. Um, so I'm real excited. Actually, it's just the only piece of land that I cannot figure out the deer. Hmm. So I'm going to take it day by day, let my cameras tell me what to do and when, and we'll see what happens. But so wrapping things up of what you asked, my 2019 hunting goals is to punch two buck tags. Punch two buck tags. You know what? Here, you know, I don't think that sounds arrogant or cocky. What I think that sounds is uh, uh, driven. Uh, goal oriented and you know what if you don't step in the woods anticipating the fact that you're going to kill one that day or expecting to kill one that day i really just wonder what people are doing in the woods you know right if you if you don't walk in the woods every time telling yourself man that's going to happen it's going to happen tonight then you shouldn't go yeah <laughs> i mean I, I i really i mean the longer i've you know the longer i've hunted the more success that i've had uh, in, in harvesting, it's just, you know, just, just, it's really about the mindset, you know, before you step in that woods. And that's something that's, you know, I've always told people around me, you know, you have to have that mindset. You, exactly. you, when you step out or you, you're going to go, you're going, you know, you're, you're out there to, you're out there to pursue and, uh, and, and make it happen. And, uh, you can't, you can't sit around and, and think that it's not, you know, it's a self-fulfilling yep. prophecy. It really you is. You cannot hesitate. It's mm-hmm. kind of just like sports, in my opinion. You know, growing up playing football, basketball, whatever it may be, you know, the moment you hesitate or doubt yourself or whatever, that's when you don't do what you set out to do. And it's the same way when it comes to fishing, hunting, doesn't matter, golfing. You know, you have to, okay, this is it. It's going to happen. You have to have that little chip on your shoulder no matter what. Awesome. So we know what you're headed into this year. So, you know, what you're looking at, looking at punching a PA and a high a buck tag. Uh, what about doe management, man? You into that at all? You a doe hunter? Uh, you let them walk? Or how do you look at that? Uh, okay. So in Ohio, I will tell you this now, I 100% do not have a single property that I can sit here and tell you I can try and do doe management on. I don't have big enough pieces of property and... Truthfully, it is very hard to get neighbors on board. Mm-hmm. I mean, let alone if you share the property with someone. It's very hard. Yeah. Now, doe management, yes, I try and do. I just sadly cannot. But how I've kind of went about doe management in my own personal way the past four years now is preseason, I will pick a property um, like uh, the one property where I shot my doe in early October last year. I won't shoot a doe there this year. Okay. Because obviously I shot a doe there last year. So I'll go through my other pieces of property, pick one out where I know I have a high number of does showing up on camera. I will scout it heavily preseason. And then the first couple of days, as soon as season opens, I like to go in and I do like to shoot a mature doe. A, that gives me food for me, myself and my family. And B, that gets, in my opinion, the itchy trigger finger out. So when that, you know, borderline butt comes through or whatever it may be, I'm not so hesitant on, okay, I got to let an arrow fly. I've waited two months. I've waited a month. Uh, You know, you get yourself all worked up. So that's what I try and do. I found it's helped me be more relaxed um, or, you know, shy away from shooting a doe come November. 
you know, obviously rut and all that stuff. So that's kind of how I went about it. Um, I am trying more and more to get neighbors and neighboring properties and hunters in on certain doe management and stuff like that. But it is what it is at the end of the day. Um, but that's pretty much my personal preference for now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say I'm probably in a similar boat myself in the fact of I like to try to get a doe early because it just kind of calms your nerves. Yeah, you know? it's like breaking the ice. It's every, I mean, even just seeing that first deer. You know, oh, yeah. I hope that oh, the yeah. first deer I see every year is in a monster because right? I don't care whether it's a fawn. I am shook up. Oh, you know? yeah. It, it's back in the saddle again. You know, here we go. Early season, first couple hunts. Uh, I don't know. I'm right there with you. I even get all jacked up, like loading like my car up to go to the woods or climbing the stand. I don't know what it is. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I guess that's just how my mind's telling me I'm still addicted. And you can't sleep the night before opening butt day of bow season 20 years later. Yeah, you got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem, though. It's it's the problem we all want, right? Exactly. That's awesome. Here's another good question for you. You know, kind of runs along the lines with plans and goals. Antlers versus age. Antlers versus age is a very, very, I don't know how to word it, but it's a topic that in the hunting industry, many people are going to sit there and argue about. Personally, at the end of the day, I will tell you this, I will tell my best friend this, and I will tell the neighboring hunter. If that deer gets you jacked up and you, if it's a trophy to you, I'm, you know, talking about antlers here. If he's a trophy to you, you're proud to harvest that animal, you shoot him. Now, okay, well, I cannot be mad that he's a three-year-old that I've watched on camera for two years, da-da-da-da-da. That's not my deer. You know, that's that's God's animal. Nature's going to take its course. I'm not going to be upset at that. Personally... I go age over antlers. Um, I actually have a, I believe he's six and a half year old deer that I'm watching in Ohio right now. Wow. And he's my number one buck. Now I'm saying this <laughs> the whole time. I also know that I have three other bigger antler bucks, but mm. they're younger. And this deer, I mean, he's got a tank of a body. Uh, if you look at summer pictures of him right now, you know, like he just looks old. I mean, he's old, he's mature, and he's smart. So age is kind of what gets me really going because he's seen it all. You know, he's been through more. Um, I had two encounters with him last year. Obviously, they didn't go in my favor. So he's my number one. Personally, I go for age because, I don't know, I think they're old warriors. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I think, you know, he's seen some things, you know. Okay, people say his antlers are going downhill or whatever that it may be, um, but I don't know. I just look at it, and it's a chess match. And to me, I'd rather shoot a 120-inch, six-and-a-half-year-old, seven-year-old, whatever he is, um, over a four-year-old, 150-inch deer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, comes down to it, someone's going to sit there and argue with me, like I said, but it comes down to your personal preference. I don't care if, you know, like my uncle, he's been hunting since he was – 12 years old and he's 50 some now i don't care if he goes to the woods and shoots a four point if that deer got him jacked up and that's a trophy to him congratulations my man keep on going yeah i like that i really do i like that attitude uh one thing that bothers me is deer shaving uh on social media Um, and it is horrible it's horrible and the other thing i'll tell you what the other thing that bothers me man is is folks that you shoot something and then you have to qualify the fact that well he's not the biggest well you know what dude you shot that deer you know yep that is your trophy right 
And yeah, the whole social media shaming, like it is, it's ridiculous. I can't, I don't even like getting on social media and seeing like the Ohio whitetail groups or anything come season or even right now because guys are posting trail cam pictures and it doesn't matter if it's 120 inches or 220 inches. Someone's always saying he's young or he's small or, you know, that's not big enough or this and that. And it's just a giant, it's bad. It's not good for the hunting industry or the hunting community as a whole. And it gives us a black mark. Yeah. And I I think there's a whole responsibility we have out there as hunters to, you know, we have enough, we have enough, uh, uh, pressure from the outside that we don't need to create internal pressure as well. You know, exactly. We, we have a responsibility not only to ourselves, but to further the sport uh, for the for folks, you know, young kids and those folks coming up and, and other even adults that want to get into it. And, man, you know, it's, 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 it's really it's paramount to online bullying, in my opinion, and I, I just don't get it. You know, if, if someone shoots it, be happy. If someone shoots, exactly. your, if someone shoots your six-and-a-half-year-old, you know what I mean, you're going to be a little bummed, but you're also going to, man, walk over, pat whoever that was on the back, say, hey, great job. It sounds oh, yeah, like, exactly. You know, because I, at the end of the day, he outsmarted that six and a half year old, whether yeah. it was a hot doe, I bumped him or, you know, poop house luck, whatever you want to call it. He harvested that animal. That is his trophy. And yeah. another thing I'll say, if or I, I've noticed this a lot, too, when it comes to social media, some guys, like I said, doesn't matter how big the deer is or, or if it's a doe or whatever, they'll put he's not the biggest in the woods, yes. but I'll take it. You yeah. know what I mean? I get and that, yeah, ah, it's bad. Yep, that drives me absolutely insane. You yep. know, I mean, I've got, I got a group of group, group of guys. I don't know how you deal with your people around you and people you hunt with, you know. But I got a group of guys, and we all kind of like, you know, we're gonna try to shoot the older deer, and we're pretty good about that, you know. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. Property I hunt, but you know, I take my kids. I'm not gonna tell my kid to pass that deer. You know? Oh, exactly. Yeah. You know, I love taking youth hunters out. That's, go ahead and take I that live deer. for that. I don't care if it's a button buck or I don't care if it's a you know, a monster or, a, you know, an average size doe. The only thing I've always told my boys is if it has spots, we don't shoot it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. If, if it's doing spots, we're, we're, we're going to lay off, you know? Yeah. You know? Enjoy the adrenaline rush and then wait for the next one. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't really don't, don't think I could uh, stomach that one, but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, man, it's awesome to hear that you're feeling that same, same way I do on that too. You know, I mean, I, not that I think we all should have the same opinion, but I'm just glad that those things bother other people as much as they bother me because I just, I don't know. I love social media. I I enjoy the seeing the pictures and the harvests and this and that and the other. But and I'm, and just some of the things that people say to folks, you know. It's oh, just, yeah, and it's... It's sick, it, you know. It takes on the role as anything else, you know, like for local drama or whatever. People are more comfortable with saying something behind or on their phone than they would in person. The same guy that's sitting there, you know, ah, oh, that's a two-and-a-half-year-old deer. You should have let him walk. Might be the guy that sees you at the gas station with that two-and-a-half-year-old and actually in person says congratulations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's – I don't get it. Yeah. But um, yeah. it's it's one of those things. <laughs> and then being the fact that, uh, you know, your social media managers and all this and that, the things that you do, you're seeing a lot of this type of stuff. So Yes, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of chatter. Yeah. Um, especially from people that don't support hunting. Some of the messages that I've been sent over the years, uh, actually the turkey I killed two years ago, I had a woman uh, send me a message letting me know that she was going to find out where I live 
and put me in my grave faster than I did that turkey because I'm so evil and all this stuff like that. I've seen a lot of it. <laughs> it's one of the downfalls to today's day and age. Yep. Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that they don't have a right to their view on hunting. They they are absolutely 100% valid in feeling the way they do if they're anti-hunting. I don't have a problem with that, right? But exactly. on the flip side, I have a I, – we I, you, me, and everybody else who – you know, chooses these pursuits have that right as well. As long as we're doing it in a legal, ethical, and and um, you know, ethical and legal way as defined by our local game laws, we're we're good. You know, exactly. And if, and if people are doing that, then you know, stop. You know, yeah. Just, just. Stop. I agree. I agree with you. All right, let's get into tactics, man. Let's talk about uh, what you're doing. You know, we're going to roll through preseason and then talk about some other things within tactics. So. Um, okay. Preseason, you know, you're getting out. Uh, I'm assuming you're the guy that gets out and does that preseason scouting when everything is uh, white and and fluffy, and you can see the trails. You can see what happened last year. You're probably doing a little shed hunting, scouting. Tell yep. us, walk, walk us through that. Okay, so I'm going to tell you this first. My new season begins the day after season okay. closes. That's first and foremost. Um, scouting wise, obviously shed hunting. Um, I love doing that. I think you learn more about that buck. Um, well, you, you won't learn more, but you do learn a lot about that buck where he drops his antler is not, you know, luck. That's what his fallback is, whether it's in his bedroom or in the ag field, that's where he was going to feed. You learn a lot about him. Um, so shed hunting, in my opinion, is very good. It's a solid tactic for learning your deer. Um, so obviously I start with shed hunting and then obviously, you know, while we got that nice white fluffy stuff on the ground here in Ohio. I'm looking for trails. I'm looking for, you know, heavy highway trails. I really don't like to get into bedding areas. Um, now, now after the snow melts, I'm talking a month before turkey season, finishing up my shed hunting. I will bounce into certain bedding areas if I think I can get away with it. Um, and if I'm looking for a certain buck shed, just to make sure and, you know, re, uh, you know, make myself feel better and reassure myself that that is where he was living or is living. But I don't like to do it too soon, especially because obviously season just closed. They're still pressured and I don't want to spook them or ruin it for myself. Um, so I would say first and foremost, watch overstepping bedding areas. But so obviously highway trails, seeing how they're hitting the ag fields, because obviously that's not going to change up, especially if you do know where their bedding areas um i mark all that i use the hunting apps like crazy um if you pull them up right now they look like christmas trees with all the icons and stuff like that but um and then my next step when i'm not shed hunting is speaking of don higgins don higgins preaches this he has his stands up before the new foliage starts to sprout in the spring i do that as well um now i i just really started hitting that hard uh, this past spring. Um, and I, you know, how I said, I picked up new strategies. Um, so last year, the year before, da, 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 da. Um, I was very big into, you know, having my stands up in June, July, August, and, you know, giving, giving the deer time to get used to them, da, 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 da. Um, I've shied away from that. Um, I'm hunting more mobile. I've kind of, you know, gotten with a new age thing, I guess, but now I still do have some permanent stands. Um, by that, I mean like, you know, good areas that I've known in the years past or whatever it may be, you know, I have history. Um, but yeah, so like Don says, he has a stands up before the foliage comes up. Um, and I really like that because 
A, it shows you what it's going to look like when the leaves are off. You know what I mean? You don't want to hang a stand while the leaves are off or on and then come back or November, all the leaves are off and deer are picking you off like crazy. Because a lot of people, in my opinion, overlook cover. Um, and I've done it to myself. I did it with a stand three years ago and it freaking killed me. It was in my best spot and yeah, it didn't go so well. So I'm a big, 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 uh, I don't know, big into cover and foliage and all that stuff like that. So, like I said, stands go up, lets me see what it's going to look like, how it's going to blend in, what I need to trim shooting lane wise and everything like that. And obviously the deer have like eight months to get used to it. Um, and actually this year, for example, I have three private properties that I'll be hunting and I have four permanent stands up and that's it. The rest is going to be mobile hunting and bouncing around and all that fun stuff. But all those stands were up before foliage except for one and it was on the new property that i picked up um so i really i really believe in that and that's how i try and go about things from here on out now obviously go back in check a camera by there i'm gonna put my bow hanger up my safety strap my seat cushion don't leave your seat cushions out all year or squirrels are gonna freaking tear them up (laughs) but (laughs) yeah so that's how it starts for me um you know love picking up the antlers learning my deer seeing them what they're doing i uh I fed, well, I supplemental fed all year round on two of my properties. Um, now, yes, that was a little bit of wanting to find antlers, and that was also to benefit my deer. Um, and fun fact, I actually had a buck show up two weeks after season holding both sides that I had never seen before in my life. I've never had that happen before, but I couldn't believe it. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because now, like, he's a home buck, like, I watched him grow all summer, so I'm pretty excited. I think he's going to be only a three and a half year old, but he's pretty he's pretty wicked looking. So up and comer, we'll huh? He, yeah, he's an up and comer. We'll see what he turns into. He's he's gnarly. Like he's got a nice four point side, and then the other one's a deep fork. Wow! And he's got like just a little dagger off by his base, like how it should be for a brow tine, but it's just like a dagger that comes straight out. So he's wicked looking. <laughs> but um. So, yeah, rolling into summer, um, you know, like, obviously just checking cameras. Um, I'm starting to put more cameras out now. I don't get too camera, trail camera crazy too early. Um, or I believe you're just sending your properties up and wasting wasting batteries. Um, but, you know, it's, what, second week of August now. So the bucks are pretty much showing what they're going to look like come season. So now I'm starting to deploy more cameras, um, especially around, obviously, where my stands are and all that fun stuff um so we're rolling into this time obviously ohio supplemental feed pennsylvania i'm like a kid running around with a blindfold on because i can't feed the deer over there so i don't know what to do (laughs) but um so another thing i really do a lot of this time of year and it's what i'm really trying to use um to help me in pennsylvania is mock scrapes um i'm a big believer in that now, I actually, obviously, you saw the video I just dropped last week. There was some details in there about certain tips and stuff like that. Um, and real quick, I'll just go through. Um, don't use, watch using deer urine-based scents too soon. Now, yes, there are such a thing as community scrapes. And deer will hit them 365, but they are not urinating in them. They are not trying to, you know, see who's around. They're just doing their whitetail thing. And I've seen guys, you know, they're out in June, July, dumping buck urine out, doe urine, 
And I think you hurt yourself. I really do, especially when it comes to a mature buck. I'm not talking about a 140-inch three-year-old. I'm talking about the smart five, six-year-old because they've seen some things. They've obviously been around a couple of years and gotten used to you doing that. So watch that. I've I've kind of picked up on that trick. Um, I actually did it to myself uh, at a property two years ago. And uh, I had an old timer, we'll call him, tell me about it. And I was like, wow, that makes sense. And it kind of clicked. So um, right now I'm using attractant scents um, like sweet corn, apple, stuff like that. Obviously, I work with heated hunts and they make this killer scent. I mean, 100 percent like I use it all year round. It's called Irresistible. Um, It's a vanilla based scent. And there's something about it. Vanilla and deer goes like me and beer. (laughs) It's just one of those things. Uh, deer love it and that's what i use in my scrapes this time of year because then obviously you get a couple deer that start hitting it they leave their scent you know what i mean so and then it's just like you know you're charging your phone over and over again a new deer a new deer a new deer and they just keep coming to it um and it works great it's great for getting intel and it's great for obviously like pennsylvania where i can't feed so i'm using mock scrapes are you using natural licking branches you're adding licking branches uh, um, how do you approach that? Cause I've seen, uh, I've seen a few folks online where they prefer to hang like a vertical branch, you know, maybe not a rope. Some people use a rope. Uh, some people use, you know, find a vine or whatever, and they'll hang yep. a vertical licking branch. Uh, what, how, how are you approaching it? I will tell you this now, deer love vines and thick cattle rope. Um, okay. I wasn't into it until, uh, someone I know in the hunting industry, um, he really started doing it a lot last year and in Ohio and the deer were loving it. Now, like the branch itself was, you know, not super low. Like it was at their antlers, their nose, they could reach up, smell it, whatever. But with that rope being down, it was, I don't know what it was about it, but it was something for them to really leave their scent on. And the deer loved it, especially come pre-rut. So I've actually started doing that this year with if I have, or if I can find a vine, I'll use a vine, but if not, I'm using cattle rope. Um, but yeah, it's, I will use that. Now it's obviously not on every scrape, but I've seen good results with that. Right, define the cattle rope, break it down so we can understand exactly what you're talking um, about. Just like the, just like the thick, uh, you can go to Tractor Supply and buy it. That's where I buy it. Um, I forget how thick it is. Uh, I forget. I think it might be three quarters of an inch thick, okay. something like that, but just a thicker rope. Um, and if, obviously for scent it'll hold scent like crazy spray it down dump it in the bottle do whatever you got to do it'll hold the scent um and obviously it'll last with the weather and i don't know what it is man but seeing those books they were reacting to it like crazy they love freaking that rope hanging down or vines um i actually the whole vine thing a couple years ago at a property i just cut this vine off and just let it dangle and sure enough two weeks later i came back and it was middle to late october and just a vine over a quad trail. There was a scrape under it. <laughs> Hung a camera on it, and I couldn't believe the deer that were hitting it. Wow. So, yeah, I, I will say, and I will vouch for that. Like I said, cattle rope, vines, or just, like, if you, obviously, you know, the property you hunted last year. If you saw, okay, well, they made a scrape here, beat them to it, and you'll be surprised. I've had good results with that as well. And I really, when it comes to moss scrapes, Late October, I really revamp it up with buck urine, not running buck. Um, watch, I'm just trying to clarify that because heated hunts makes both. 
I don't want people to get confused, but late come late October, when I really see that my mature, you know, older bucks are really hitting the scrapes, especially close or in daylight, and I introduce a new buck urine scent, they go crazy. Um, I actually, obviously, Heated Hunts has a their own dispenser. Two years ago, it was my first time kind of trying it, and I had this deer that I was hunting, and I'm still hunting him too. His name was Lucifer because he was the devil because I could never freaking lay eyes on him. <laughs> but um, I knew I was in his home range. I knew I was in his area. So I set up a mock scrape, did the buck urine thing, and I came back a week later. He had made two scrapes under the same tree, and he had broken the dispenser off and broken the actual licking branch that I had made the mock scrape under. And this was in late October, you said? Late October. I couldn't believe it. I mean, he was all balled up. I had, I still have the videos of him just freaking going to town, and you just see this dispenser go flying. Wing! I'm like, oh. <laughs> because actually, at first, I thought, like, someone had came in and messed with my stuff, or, like, you know, or maybe the landowner's kid, like, they ride four-wheelers. I didn't know if, like, I knocked a kid out with it or something, because <laughs> it was laying there on the ground a couple feet away. I'm like, what in the world happened? I got home, checked the cart, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can't be mad now. It was a deer. <laughs> but, it's um, amazing, those territorial responses and how just jacked up they get. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing about deer. They're just like people. I can tell you this right now. I One of the biggest deer I've ever hunted in the world, he was not dominant. I tried everything I could to make him mad. I actually laid eyes on him, rattled at him, grunted at him, and he did not care. He is one of the most, like, just relaxed bucks that I've ever seen, ever hunted in my life. But then in the same notion, the deer I just told you, Lucifer, that deer was, you know, he went crazy. He did not like it at all. And he, you know, he showed me, like, his natural response to an intruder buck. And mm -hmm. they're just like people. You're going to have, you know, certain guys that they couldn't hurt a fly. And then you're going to have people that want to rip someone's head off every time you see him. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think mock scrapes are a great way to go about it. And then since I kind of got off topic there, blabbering on, right now the last thing that I'm doing is I'm scouting the bean fields. Like the, like the new property I told you about here in Ohio. It's, it's a giant bean field, and I have bedding on the west side of it and bedding on the east. Now the, the bedding on the east side is on the neighbor's property, and I actually have bedding to the north. It's a giant clear cut. So there's bedding all around this thing, and I really don't, know what my best way for accessing my stand is um so like i was actually just there last night and i saw eight does come out and four came out of the west bedding area and four came out of the east you know so i'm learning that as well so i'm not just looking for my big fuzzy velvet bucks but for new properties or even just in general i'm trying to see how my deer are accessing the field um or when like i showed up there at seven o'clock and at 7 15 i had my first one come out and I thought they were, or that doe was going to ruin the night. She came within like 50 yards of me. I was so freaking worried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the bean, or of course, that bean field right now, like there's some certain spots where deer kind of, you don't necessarily see them until they stick their head up. And man, she worked through that bean field awful quick. And she popped out and I hurried up and turned the camera on and was trying to record her. Now, the whole time I'm literally sitting on top of my car. <laughs> so i'm recording her she's just like looking at me probably thinking like what in the world is that but um yeah so you know I, that's how i'm trying to learn now obviously i did want to see i have a couple decent deer at that property so you know i did want to see them but in the same notion i'm trying to see how my deer are just naturally working and 
I'll tell you this now. It comes back to the does. I'll save that for when we talk about rut. You said, let me just back up real quick. You talked about your mobile strategy and you're wanting to be mobile a little bit. What's that going to look like? How are you doing that? Do you got a mobile tree stand, climbing sticks? You one of those saddle guys or what are you, how are yep. you approaching that? Oh, no. Mason's a saddle hunter. Um, Mason's the guinea pig for that this year. Um, he kind of, yeah, he dove into the saddle hunting. Um, it actually makes me, I've seen him uh, kind of messing around, shooting his bow from it and all the fun stuff. And man, it looks yeah. wicked. It looks real wicked. Like I might end up doing it, not this year, but it might be the move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got a, I've got a lone wolf stand. So I, I'm going to be running the lone wolf stand and I just picked up the new Hawk helium climb or the sticks. I'm pretty excited for those. They're the dual step. I think they weigh like 2.8 pounds. Yeah. Per stick. So I think in total the stand weighs 12 pounds. So you figure we'll say three pounds a stick. Um, you know, I'm going to be up there a little bit, but that's my mobile setup. And then obviously for my private land properties, if I really want to, I can just run the screw in pegs. Or if I go public, because I did scout some public land in Ohio and Pennsylvania, I'll have the Hawk Helium. All right. What is your scent control process? I mean, some people believe in ozone. Some people believe in wind. Some people believe in burying them in a bag of leaves. Some people believe in washing. Some people yep. believe in taking a special shower. I've, I've said this to a bunch of people in a bunch of different ways that I don't know that any one is any better than the other, in my opinion. But I do know one thing. If you don't do anything... You're going to fail a lot more than you succeed. I think whatever makes you confident, yes, then that's what you do. That's my opinion. What's your take on it? What's your process? Well, first, I agree with you 100%. And the biggest thing, in my opinion, is I always, always try to, you know, I play mm -hmm. the win. Um, because, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if you have ozone, uh, the best clothes, the scent control, scent killer, whatever it may be. You're not going to beat a whitetail's nose, and you're always going to take in human odor, no matter what. Whether it's from your car, you know, your boots from you walk through your garage, whatever it may be, uh, you, even your bow or whatever. You know what I mean? So I always try and play the wind, but now following up with that, I'm going to tell you this right now. Do not sit there and believe the guys on TV or whatever that say, oh, well, we haven't hunted the stand in seven years because we never had an east wind. Okay. That is BS in my opinion because I don't care if you hunt over – uh, ag field, uh, bait pile, uh, funnel. You can't tell me that that deer comes in from your west, you know, works to your east or whatever it may be, that it does not cross your wind. Especially if you're seeing right. multiple deer. You know what I mean? So as you, we're, we're sitting here watching all these, you know, famous hunters on TV. Oh, we've got 50 deer out in front of us, but they never got our wind. <laughs> no, yeah. come on now. <laughs> Especially, especially for mature yeah. bucks, you know, especially like if they've been shot at or, you know, bumped them before or whatever, you know, like I know, sir. Okay. So real quick here, when I study my trail camera intel, like when my, when my hit listers, you know, shooters, whatever, when they daylight or walk close to daylight, I will tell you this now, 99.999% of the time, they are not coming without the wind in their favor. Right. Plain and simple. That makes sense. That's how they live, right? They live and die by that nose. Exactly. Yep. So you don't do you spray? Do you do anything else besides you wash your clothes special? Do you how do you store your clothes? Do you do anything that way just to try to keep things sent down? Or are you just strictly the wind? Well, I do I do pretty much everything. I do the whole storage mm -hmm. bin thing. Now, people do a lot of the whole ozone thing, um, whether it's ozonics or whatever. Wild Game Innovations just came out yep. with their own thing. I just saw that. I use common hunters. They made their own ozone system that you can put on whatever storage container unit you want. 
And instead of it being, I think, like, Scent Crusher and Ozonics is obviously up there in money, theirs is 80 bucks. I run their unit, and I will tell you this now, it purifies my clothes, but that's all it is is an air purifier. So I run the ozone, and then I spray down. I spray my... I spray my skin down, like especially for early season when you you know you're hot and sweaty and all that stuff, and it's not 12 degrees outside, so you don't want to obviously be out there pretty much naked. <laughs> um, I spray my skin down with scent killer, and then I put my clothes on. Or early season, I take my jacket in my backpack or some other way. Once I put that on, I spray down, and it's called it's a dirt cover scent by Heated Hunts. When it comes to dirt scents and everything like that, like, I mean, I've used Hunter Specialties, you know, whatever it may be from Walmart, Dunham's, and all that stuff. Um, but what I found and what really, like, makes Heated Hunts, like, a game changer is it's got pine, cedar, moss secretions, and dirt secretions in it. So a deer can pick up seven, seven scents at one time. There's four of them. But, yeah, I started using that three years ago, and I'll tell you this right now. I have 100%, you know... On everything I stand for, I have not been busted, you know, from my wind. I've been busted actually by me being seen from movement or something more than I have from my scent. Um, I came close last year. If you actually watch the video of me killing that doe, there's a couple points where you see some of the does picking their noses up. And truthfully, that just comes down to it was the first morning hunt of the year. Two people up in a tree and they came straight downwind. But they didn't bust us, and obviously I got the final say, so I can't complain. And thermals were probably helping you out there a little bit, too. Do you pay attention to thermal? Yep, yep. That was the only thing I think that was also in my favor. Let's head early season, man. So you said you were going in. You uh, like to practically strip naked so you don't sweat. Personally, me, I got to tell you <laughs> what, it's 18 degrees outside, and I'm going in a T-shirt because I don't like to sweat at all. I wish I'm so Well, I'm a chubby guy, so I got plenty of blubber to keep me warm. But I, I'll go in in a T-shirt, <laughs> and I will go in in just a light, lightest pair of pants that I can. And believe me, when I get there, I'm freezing. Talk about how you're getting in early season, you know, what you're doing to get in, and also, you know, what's your, what's your strategy? You're a morning hunter, evening hunter, both. Do you think that matters? What's your strategy going after these uh, whitetails first part of the year? First part of the year, well, this real quick goes for any part of season. Your trail cameras are going to tell you when to hunt. I'm not saying you have to run 10 or 100 cameras, but your cameras are going to help tell you when you should hunt. They're going to obviously tell you when your deer are there. But um, early season, primarily evening hunting. Um, obviously, if I'm just if I don't have a buck that I can hunt, because I mean obviously I'm going to have bucks on camera and all that stuff. But if they're not killable, I'm not going to pressure them, bump them, hurt myself in the long run by trying to chase them right off the get go. So early season, I'm going in, you know, um, like last year, actually on opening day, I did a hang and hunt, you know, I got my, I got my camo pants on and my boots and everything, but yeah, I go in, uh, like actually I have a cutoff. Um, it's an old under armor cutoff, you know, just a black one that I used to wear in sports and stuff. I wear that. And then obviously once I get set up, that's when I put, you know, my long sleeve or whatever on that I'm wearing to hunt, spray down and then I'm good to go. But yeah, early season, um, like I said, if I, if I don't have a buck that's killable, in my opinion, I'm not going to overdo it, and I'm just going to sit back and wait. And, you know, obviously, if there is one killable, he's probably still somewhat on a summer pattern and still going to ag mm -hmm. fields. So yeah. ag fields are kind of primarily what I hunt early season, and then just kind of keep it rolling from there. My favorite time to hunt is the last week of October and 
and I will say all mm-hmm. of November because I've seen rut action from the last week of October clean through November. I've actually seen it into December. But anywho, I love hunting the scrapes towards the end of October. That's when I notice, you know, that light bulb really starts uh, clicking on for mature bucks, um, and they start hitting the scrapes either close to daylight or in daylight. Um, last year on, I believe it was four occasions, I had one of my mature bucks hit a scrape in daylight, and I just wasn't there. Hmm. So I learned a lot last year from that, um, and the trail cameras obviously threw it in my face. But um, late October, I love hunting the scrapes. And then remember how I said it all comes down to the mm-hmm. does? That's what November is. November, if you're not in a funnel, a pinch point, or whatever, at the end of the day, what I actually had someone message me last, I think it was second week in November, and they were like, hey, man, I'm just not seeing any deer. Like, what should I do? And I was like, do you know what a certain few does do every night? Yeah, they go to the cut cornfield, hunt the cut cornfield. Because guess what? If one of them's hot, whatever it may be, or if a buck's just going to cruise through and check those does, then you're in the money. And that's what it comes down to. Isn't it funny how we switch from, you know, really hunting the bucks when the the rut turns into hunting the does, you know? Pretty much. I mean, like, there's actually a hashtag I do through Young Bucks. Hashtag know your does. I'm actually, I'm... (laughs) I'm torn on starting a T-shirt. Hashtag know your does. <laughs> I, you know what? There could be better advice for the rut, I mean, in my opinion. you know. And speaking of the rut, you know, so that's really your strategy. You're hunting the does, right? That's what you're looking for? Yep, I'm hunting the does or bedding areas. My fallback's a bedding area, but that is an aggressive move, and I would not do it unless either it's your last day off of work and you can't get out until shotgun season or – you have trail camera intel telling you he's in there or if you saw him like you know travel to that bedding area from 150 yards away so you're saying buck beds you're hunting looking to buck bedding areas not necessarily doe bedding areas then no 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 okay you're hunting doe bedding areas okay yes yes um if you can like some or for example you know an ideal setup you'd be set downwind of a doe bedding area and you catch a buck cruising through arrow scent game Mm -hmm. over because what do bucks do? They scent check bedding areas, you know, obviously seeing if there's a hot doe. Mm-hmm. So try and set yourself up for that way. Now, obviously, you can't do nothing about the wind. It's either in your favor or it's not. But if you can do that and if the wind plays in your favor, then hunt that stand. That's where mobile setup comes into play, right? Exactly. That's why I'm happy that I'm going to have a mobile setup for when the right wind and the right weather and maybe the right barometric pressure all comes together. And I'm like, okay, well, the deer are going to be on their feet. The wind is blowing right in my favor coming out of that bedding area. I'm going it. Nice. Do you sit all day? I've done it. Yes, I have. And I will tell you this now. It's not worth it on pressured properties. You, you don't find that they move midday on pressured properties? or? I've, I've never had success. I really haven't. I've actually had better success on public and all day sits than I, oh, and during the rut than I have on small acre pressure yeah. properties. Um, hmm. For example, like in Ohio, I don't have a property over 40 some acres. So, I mean, they're small pieces. The one it butts into over out, about 12 to 1500 acres that all gets hunted. So, I mean, there's just a lot of variables and I have never seen much or little to any midday movement, especially hmm. come right. Um, now, in the same notion, why I say know your does is, last year, November 4th, 
I hunted it. Um, I hunted over my food plot, and I saw six does and five bucks. And at last light, I had my shooter come in, and there was nothing I could do about it. I drew my bow back, but I couldn't see mm. my pins. Man, that's a hard It was breaker. just, yeah, it really was. And I actually have the audio recording of hearing him grunting, chasing a doe under my stand. Uh, and I was pegged up there. I, I didn't even get to leave that stand until probably about an hour and some change oh, after dark. My. Because <laughs> he just kept dogging does all around me. Him and I think two other bucks it was. Messing with them does grunting because you're sitting up there and he oh, and you couldn't gosh. do nothing about it. Couldn't do nothing about it. I was I was heartbroken to say the least. You call a lot? Um, blind calling. I will not do it until I have seen bucks fight. Okay. Um now grunting, yes. Especially come right. Or even late October, I will do it. And then, in my opinion, it comes down to what his mood is or, like I said, how that deer is. If he's dominant, then odds are you might get a good response. Now, if he really doesn't care or if he's locked down on a doe, he doesn't care. Sit over there and grunt your head off. You know, do the who cooks for you like you're trying to roost a turkey. He does not care. Um, But if you just catch a buck cruising, um, like I said, you know, whether it's rut or if he's dominant or, like I said, if he's just in a mood, you might catch him. Um, that's actually how I killed my biggest buck to date. Um, it was real quick. I'll say this. It was November 2nd, 70 degrees. I hunted a doe bedding area. Didn't even see a doe. He came out probably 100 and some change away, and he hit the one trail. And every deer, I swear, especially does that hit that trail, worked it right up to me. Hmm. He turned to walk away. I let out three grunts and a snort wheeze. And he did a 180 and came running in, and I shot him within five yards. Wow. And that was, it was crazy. When do you start your calling? I mean, is that a late October type thing? You're hitting late pre-rut or carried on on through the, uh, through the month of November? Or when do you typically want to start, in your opinion? Pretty much Halloween. Halloween? Halloween, Halloween unless I have heard a grunt mm. or seen some sparring. Um, well, not necessarily just sparring, but a little bit more than, you know, a little hostile Mm-hmm. more fighting um, between bucks. But really, I try and leave that up to the deer to tell me when to insert myself into the crowd. Um, now, during November, if nothing's going on, then I'm a firm believer, and you might as well try and make something happen. I truly forget the name of who it was, but it was years ago, and I watched this video, and he was you know, just sitting and talking about how people sit, and you know, they're in waiting periods. They're waiting for deer to move. They're waiting for the sun to go down. They're waiting for da-da-da-da-da. And he was like, don't do that. He was like, make the magic happen. He was like, you know, he was like, it doesn't matter if it's, he said this and I don't do it, but he said, it doesn't matter if it's September, November or December, you know, bucks are going to rattle the horns and bucks are going to grunt and those are going to bleat. And he said, so you always need to try and make something happen. Now I don't do all that calling and I don't get crazy. I'm not trying to sound like, you know, two monster bucks fighting on opening day, but come November, I will, if nothing's going on. I will try and make something happen. And then another real quick tip is, especially in November, um, let's say you have two doves work through. Let them work through you, get out of sight, whatever, maybe five, ten minutes. Let out a bleat. Let out a grunt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if there is a buck up there, he knows two does just came down here. You know what I mean? You're just trying to paint that picture. And, you know, if he's like, well, two does did just go down through there. Okay, who's that buck? You know, what's going on? Then it's actual, like, holy crap, that's going on to him. I, I I try and leave it up to the deer, but come November, you kind of, 
especially once you know rut's going on. Once you start seeing chasing, the whole dogging, um, I mean, if you're lucky enough to see breeding or whatever or fighting, you know, the magic's on. It's happening. Get into it. <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh, talk about quickly about late season. So in most strategies, people are looking at late season, and so it's back to the bed-to-food, food-to-bed type situation, afternoon hunts. Is that pretty much the David Weaver method as well? Pretty much all they care about is the stomach. Hunt the gut. Hunt the gut, and you'll be, you should be sitting money. Now, if you don't have the deer, then you don't have the deer. Mm-hmm. Um, like my one property, it butts into a lot of ag field, and there's a lot of agricultural land around me. Last year, I just didn't have the deer there. I don't know if it was because I didn't have any you know, leftover beans or corn left or what. Um, they just weren't there in daylight. So it wasn't worth my time. But, yeah, afternoons primarily. Now, but I will say... I had a property last year where I had a mature buck and he would only daylight late season in the mornings. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I tried hunting him in the afternoons and I had no trail camera daylight activity of him. But in the mornings, especially like when actually you remember when we had that crazy, like negative 20 degree weather last year. Oh, absolutely. Every morning. Don't know what it was. I mean, eight, nine, 10. I think the latest was one time it was pretty close to noon. He was just supplemental feeding. He loved it, but I was never there to capitalize. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you were talking about. Every deer has its own personality, right? Yeah. It's, it's all about up to the deer, you know, and they're always going to, you know, you might have a deer patterned or figured out or whatever. And then boom, randomly switches it up. Now that doesn't happen often, but you got to watch that because again, deer are just like people and you never know what, outside variables play a role on his daily basis especially on pressured areas that makes sense let's ask you this question then moon phase yes no don't care i do not care um now i will tell you this evening hunts when you can obviously see the moon out and while the sun's still up mm-hmm. i don't know what it is or what you or what that moon phase or whatever is called but i i really see a lot of movement early i have no idea why but now I am a big, big fan of barometric pressure. I really watch for dropping temps and rising pressure. When you can get that together, that's a recipe for disaster, especially for smart bucks. My trail cam intel, whenever. So last year, obviously, I have all my daylight pics of my you know, deer that I'm keeping an eye on. I went through, looked at the date, time, and everything like that, wrote down the barometric pressure. I did do the moon phase just to see if there was any sort of pattern you know, the temperature and all that fun stuff. And I'll tell you this right now, almost every single one of them, the pressure was above 30, 30.00, um, which is a higher barometric pressure. So that's what I mean. I don't know what it is. And the pressure was rising that day. So rising pressure for some reason was just getting them on their feet. Like I said, no idea why, but for some reason it's a recipe for disaster, especially coupled with a cold front. Okay, that's perfect for the segue because, you know, outside of cold fronts and, and barometric pressure, is there anything else you're looking at weather-wise, favorite weather conditions? Late October, hunt after rain, especially on scrapes. After or rain washes away scent. Now, not all scent, and I've heard, I've had actually some people tell me it doesn't wash away scent at all. But I've had a lot of success seeing bucks hit scrapes and mature deer on trail cameras and stuff like that. Late October, you get a big rain to move through, wash all the scent away especially in their home area, their, like their core area, they want to be the first ones to, you know, this is my area. I'm here. This is my scrape. That makes sense. 
what temperature do you like? You like if you had to pick a temperature for November fifth, let's just say, or November seventh, you know, some of the hotbed days of the rut. If you had to pick your temperature, and we know we know what you we want that high pressure, but what would you want that morning temp to be? You know, like I said, I get cold. I won't lie, so I'm not going to get too crazy <laughs> here, but I'll say low thirties. You give me low thirties. I want some frost on the ground. Mm-hmm. I want some frost on the ground and some pressure rising, and I will be mm-hmm. sitting fat and happy. All right, David. I'm starting to push up on time, so let us let me hit you with my last question. This is a pretty simple one, I think. But if you have to pick five can't-miss dates to hunt every year, it, it, these are days that David Weaver will be in the woods come hell or high water. <laughs> what, what are those days? Those days, okay. I'm starting with Halloween. I've always had good success with a seeing a decent amount of deer and for some reason for the past five years i've at least seen one with antlers now wow can't say mature or nothing but for some reason i always have and you know how it is like growing up everybody talks about a halloween buck or da 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 or you know you'll hear stories oh halloween's what brings on the rut whatever it may be i have success hunting halloween that's one of my favorite days uh, then I got to go with November 2nd. That's when I killed my biggest buck to date. Biggest buck to date. And like I said, that was a 70 degree day. But then I'm going to have to say November 7th. Um, I don't know what it is about November 7th, but it's always like it's on. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter if I see one doe and a scrub buck, but that scrub buck's on her like, you know, mice on cheese. <laughs> and then I got to go with November 21st because I feel like towards the end of November, um, that's when the does are most of the does are starting to be bred and you catch a lot of bucks just cruising looking for that last doe and then I'll take the fourth November 4th okay because that's that's when one of, that's when one of my big mysterious monsters last year showed up for the first time ever on trail camera yep daylighted twice David man I'm telling you what man this has been a fantastic conversation man it's been long overdue yeah long long, long overdue. overdue especially we're in the same town man I mean it's pretty silly that we hadn't talked before this but I'm stoked you know to, to have you on the podcast and and just you know sharing your your passion and your experience and your thoughts on these topics with us you know and if folks want to check out you guys and young bucks I know you kind of went over it earlier can you give us a rundown of where they can find your material on YouTube because I'm telling you folks this stuff is good stuff this is the everyday average guys just like you and me and everybody else the people that have a nine to five going out there doing what they love and sharing stuff that we can use on on properties that we all hunt so david tell them where they can find your content yeah we're on youtube instagram and facebook and we also have a website and uh on all social media platforms it's at young bucks outdoors nothing crazy into it um we have the same logo on all platforms you can't miss it um any questions shoot us a message, uh, email us, whatever it may be. Um, and I'd be more than happy to help you out any way I can tips, whatever feedback, anything. We appreciate it. And, uh, thank you for the kind words. And that's all she wrote. A big shout out to David Weaver and David Weaver creative. Be sure to check him out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out whitetailocd.com and like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks everyone for listening, and as always, stay afflicted with Whitetail OCD.